praise the Lord. A very brief word I want to share. The Lord's, I've been in this neighborhood for a while. It's more personal. So I'm just processing this myself and analyzing myself. And so we, we do this together. Amen. Um, I uh, want us to go please to Luke chapter 24. <clears throat> Luke chapter 24 and verse 13. Did I say we're leaving different from the way that we came in? Because we're leaving different from the way that we came in today in Jesus' name. This is a story of the Emmaus Road uh, journey. I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. And uh, just some things that the Lord has been working in me. And let's just walk through this together and see where the Lord takes us. Um, now this is just some background. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, but nobody knew that he had risen from the dead. So in the mind of the public, Jesus has been crucified and he is buried. And as a result, many of the followers of Jesus are confused. Uh, if you remember the story, many of the disciples were, were hidden uh, behind closed doors, maybe fearing that the fate of Jesus would also be their fate as well. Um, and so these two disciples are walking uh, and let's pick up verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth. And they told the whole story in the following verses all about how Jesus, uh, all of their hopes and the redemption of Israel was resting in Jesus. And now that he's dead, uh, it seems like all of our hopes is gone. It's been three days since this this, this happened, and uh, uh, there is a rumor that he's alive, but they were not sure about it, and so they are just in this confused situation. They had said, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem, and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus said to them in verse 25, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did, you, did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Um, in many ways, their, their, their faces being distraught and downcast, um, in many cases, is understandable. Verse 17 says, they stood still, their faces downcast. The reason their faces were downcast is because of everything that had happened. And everything that had happened, everything that they had seen, everything that they had experienced, uh, all of their hopes were dashed and the door was closed and the hope is gone. And, and therefore they were sad by reason of everything that they had experienced and everything that had happened. If it was me, I would understand completely. You have every right to be upset. I understand that, you know, what you had hoped for eh, did not materialize as you thought it would. So being upset and being downcast, it's a natural response to hopes being deferred. Uh, but in verse 25, Jesus is not so empathetic. He says in verse 25, how foolish you are. 
I thought that was, you know, it's kind of harsh. Jesus, please have some patience with them. Please give them some slack because this is understandable. They've been through a lot. Plus, it's been three days, which means that they have had time to process all of their emotions, all of their feelings. Three days to understand that the door is closed, that there is no hope. Three days to conclude some conclusions and to draw some resolutions. And therefore, in their mind, the game is over. The story is finished. It's now on to plan B. And they're grieving. But Jesus does not allow room for their grief. He does not show them any grace. He does not show them any, any kind of a, a, a tolerance, show any kind of tolerance for their position. He says, how foolish you are. He called them fools. In the Greek, the word means, uh, the Greek literally, void of knowledge. You are knowledgeless. Fools. Uh, uh, it's kind of rude. Are, are, are we all here today? is Jesus who's calling them fools. They were sad that Jesus was gone and Jesus is calling them fools. He did not say, I is what you. Uh, you know, we, uh, there's things that Jesus is merciful with. Jesus has pa is patient with, but here he calls them fools. And the reason, the only reason he calls them fools is because you are slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. In other words, there was... A word that had been spoken about this very situation. And Jesus was expecting them to believe the word above the issues that they were facing. Jesus was expecting them. Jesus was expecting them to understand the power of the word, the power of the promise. That when God speaks something, it's impossible for him to take it back. That's why I've heard it said that it's impossible for God to lie. Because even if God did lie, it would have to come to pass and become a truth. God is so sovereign in his nature, so faithful to his character that he cannot lie. He cannot fail. He cannot say, I made a mistake because if he did, he would turn it, turn it into a correction all by itself. That's the power of God. So he is getting on their case because he had already spoken. There is a word that has gone out on this situation, which means that no matter how bad it is or how difficult it looks, if God has spoken, it will come to pass some way, somehow. He called them fools. The title of my message today <clears throat> is Who is the Fool? If you are taking notes. Today the title of my message is <laughs> who, who is the Fool? God was expecting them to face all of these situations, all of this drama, all of this confusion and rise above it and say somehow, even though it does not add up in my calculation, somehow if God has said it, he knows how to be faithful to his word. So I trust him and his promise over everything that I have seen, everything that I have experienced, everything I, Jesus was expecting that. And when he saw them falling short of that, he called them fools. So my struggle with myself is, how foolish am I really? You know? I mean, I know I'm, I'm the pastor. But, you know, Jesus was kind of getting me with this one too. Because I found my, myself stuck in some places where I, I'm qualified as a fool. In the eyes of God. Yeah, because if God speaks something, he was a, you see, you, we cannot even have proper relationship with, with him unless we understand this principle. Uh, to the world, by nature, us as believers are a little bit crazy. We don't fit. We don't make sense. We are, we are uh, 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 an anomaly. 
because we have believed something contrary to what everything else says. I was talking a few weeks ago about this message I called The Secret, how Jesus was teaching the parables and he said, the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. And what we understood from the scriptures is that what this secret basically was is hearing and accepting the word. All right, that's what the secret is. And it seems very simple to hear and accept the word. But it's a secret because as simple as it is, there's a lot of opposition to simple faith. There's a lot of opposition to just taking God at his, God at his word and believing. There's a lot of opposition. The Bible says that there was four different soil types. The stony ground, the path, and the thorns. The, the path, it represents, if you remember, the, that Satan saw the seed, the word of God, and he snatched it so it does not bear fruit. This rocky place represents those who receive the word with joy, but when persecution and tribulation comes because of the word, they fall away. And then the thorny ground represents those who receive the word, but the worries of this life, the love for other things, and the concerns about money, 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 they choke the word and make it unfruitful. But the good seed stands for those who hear the word, accept the word, and by doing so, produce. So, so see, hearing and accepting is easy, but there's a lot of competition for that accepting. There's a lot of contrary winds. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of things that make it seem like this word will never come to pass. And it's much easier to default to what eyes have seen and ears that have heard. But Jesus was expecting us to see what we see and hear what we hear and believe that God is faithful anyway. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, we can hear contrary opinions, ideas, but we cannot accept contrary. We can only choose and we can only accept one. We cannot accept everything. We can hear everything, but we cannot accept everything. We can only accept one one, one thing. And, and so we're constantly vexed between this decision-making process of my issue and what God has said. And what God has said and my issue. And back, we vacillate between this. Is God faithful? Is God not faithful? Can he do it? Can he not do it? All the evidence says no. But God's promise says yes. So we're constantly in this fight. And if we hear and accept, we will bear fruit. What we accept is what disciples our life. What we accept, it directs our, it's, it's our true discipleship program is really what we have chosen to accept. The Bible tells the story of Hannah, how she was very upset because she could not have children and she was praying so hard she looked like a drunk woman. I would like to see, I wish we had video back there to see how can you pray so hard that you, okay, never mind. Come to prayer unusual. <laughs> but, but she was so vexed and then the, the, the priest, Eli, said, woman, stop your drinking. And she said, no, I'm not drinking. I'm not drunk. I have an issue. I have a problem. All right. And, and so the priest, Eli, he saw and says, okay, now you're struggling with the issue. So he said, she, he said to her, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you your request. The Bible says Hannah got up, left the presence of the Lord, and her face was no longer downcast. I like that because it tells that there was a processing that happened inside of her. That she rejected her barrenness and accepted the, the, the word, which was actually a very simple word. It wasn't a profound word. It, you know, it would have made sense if the priest would have said, go in peace. And thus says the Lord unto thee, woman, you shall conceive and have a child. You know, that would have been much more 
But it was very simple, almost in the, in the Araf Tanegar. May the Lord grant you your request. And she left and her face was no longer downcast. And the Bible says, and God remembered her and opened her womb. Come on, somebody. Now, the, the thing about this is, is that she had a very small word, but a big acceptance. We have a big word, but we have small acceptance. And her acceptance changed her countenance. She was no longer downcast. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 11, the Bible says a woman stood up and said to Jesus, Blessed is the womb that gave birth to you and the breasts that you nursed at. And Jesus says, no, blessed is the one who hears the word and accepts. It's our blessing is tied to what we accept. Our life is discipled according to what we accept. We will have according to what we accept and it will be unto us according to what we accept. So we have to accept carefully. And what Jesus is saying that because you accepted wrong, even despite all of this surmounting evidence, he still called them fools. Because he was expecting, let me just make it very simple. God was expecting his children to believe that the God of the impossible is able to fulfill his word on our behalf. He was expecting. I wasn't expecting. He was expecting. And when they fell short, he called them fools. So who is the fool? Because we all will be fools today. Either fools in the eyes of God or fools in the eyes of the world. If we accept what God has said, the world will give us a thumbs down. But if God has given us a thumbs up, then let God be true. And every man a liar. Tell the righteous that it shall be well with them. For they will eat the fruit of their labor. Our work is to enter into his rest. And receive what thus says the Lord. Are you following what I'm saying? So the issue is not what am I going through. The issue is what did God say. The issue is not what our nation is going through. The issue is what did God say. The issue is not what your children are looking like. The issue is what did God say. The issue is not how bad the doctor's report is. The issue is what did God say. Because if God spoke something, he was expecting his children not to be fools. Hallelujah. Amen. I think many of you know... Uh, I'm studying. I'm learning a lot, people. Uh, but one of the things that I've had to study is church history and the church arguments and the church, the big debates that have shaped church history. And I've, I've, I've learned a lot. And I'm still working on this theory, but I really think I'm on to something. Uh, the great church division, one of the biggest things that caused so much drama in church history is the, the issue of the nature of Christ. Hmm? Uh, about third, fourth century, this man theologian named Nestorius rises up and he says that Christ has two natures, a divine and a human nature. And then Cyril of Alexandria. Cyril of Alexandria, he fought and debated with Nestorius to say God is not two, God is one. Two natures in one. All right? And that was the, 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 the big division at that, at that, at that time, and, and Ethiopia, we're, we kind of we were working with Alexandria for a long time, so we kind of sided with Cyril, and we, that's where the word Tawadho comes, the Ethiopian Tawadho church. We are two in one, not two separate, but two one fused together. Come on, somebody, come on, somebody. Uh, in the next generation, this thing became more, more aggravated because uh, uh, he's not even a theologian, just a simple man named Eutychus came up with this theory that Christ's divine nature absorbed 
his human nature and it created another fuss so they had a council to decide with finality the position of the nature of Christ and 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 Pope Leo he he did not attend the meeting but he sent a tome or a letter to the meeting and then the letter stated that we hold that Christ was not absorbed that the the nature the natural the human was not absorbed by the the, the divine nature uh, they are he is two in one or one uh, in two natures and Dioscorus was there and he refuted this he's from Alexandria the bishop of Ale Alexandria because he said you said two uh, in one nature instead of saying two out of one nature and they fought over in one nature or out of? In, out of. Are you with me? And that's where the Catholic and Orthodox Church split into. Just like that, over these two, two words. Uh, and then, uh, when we brought this home to Ethiopia, come on somebody, we took this stuff to another level. We added all the mit mita and berbere, and uh, I mean, we, we got into this stuff, and we created a new theology, Christology, that does not even to this day exist anywhere in the world. All right? And we argued that, you know, the, we were not uh, arguing on the nature of Christ in Ethiopia. That's already Cyril of Alexandria. Hallelujah. Took care of that for us. But what we got into is this business of the anointing. How was Christ and when was Christ anointed? Was he anointed in the womb of Mary? Or was he anointed from eternity past? Or was he anointed at the baptism? You, you see? And so there was different schools of thought that came out of this and and another council was called in Ethiopia in in the 19, uh, 19th century 18 1874 if anyone is interested and they decided that Christ was not so, so that Christ was not anointed in the womb they said the, the one group the Kabat group said that Christ had to be separated from his divine nature for a minute in the womb of Mary so that he could be anointed representing the fallen Adamic nature and then anointed again in the womb of Mary so that he could be the son of God and the son of man and, and then the Tawadho group said no such thing impossible how could Christ be separate from his anointing that's that's crazy no Christ was always anointed because he was had three births from the father from Mary and from the birth of grace hallelujah and then there was a faction within that called the Karra group which says that it is impossible for them to be three births how can anybody be birthed from three which is a good point if you ask me all right and they say so Christ was never born like that and he was never anointed by another anointing because he that would make him inferior to the anointing and Christ cannot be inferior to anything Christ is above all so they said that this is impossible and the kara means to cut. They cut off that third argument and said Christ is both the anointed, eh, the anointer, and the anointing. Because he cannot be above or beneath. Yeah? This is what our people came up with. Come on, somebody. Come on. But the funny thing is that this is the arguments that have shaped church history and even church in this country and people were excommunicated over these positions even in Ethiopia to the point of blood being shed 
battles being fought over these positions, it was quite, quite heavy. And I understand the concern because what they were saying was, if there is confusion about the nature of Christ, then there is also confusion about my nature. If we don't know who he is, then our salvation itself is in question. So it was a big deal and you can understand the concern. And so I've been studying this thing and I'm studying these arguments and I, I still am working on this, but I think I've, caught, I've got something. And I think there is a place to argue all of these different positions on the nature of Christ. I think they have their place. I am not fighting anybody. I love you all. If you're from the Catholic tradition and you're saying, I'm never coming back to that church again. I love you, Catholic. You, you don't go out until we're finished with this argument right here. Amen? Uh, I think what, what we're dealing with when it comes to the nature of Christ or, or the divine becoming human or the word become flesh. We are not dealing with anything that can be translated in the realm of possibility. We are dealing with a supernatural, divine impossibility, right? So this is, this is something that is not explainable or understandable in our reasoning and our finite mind and computer brain, which we only use 10% of anyway. God is beyond. He is big. Let us say, Amen, Biyallo. Look at what he said in Luke chapter 1. This is the story of when the, the, the Gabriel came to Mother Mary. Yeah. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. And verse 30, it says, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be called, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 34. How, how will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I repeat, verse 37. For nothing is impossible with God. So the underlying foundational argument of the incarnation of Christ is that nothing is impossible with God. Impossible became possible not because of a formula, but because of God. You see, so, so we can have these arguments on the nature of God. They have their place. But the underlying principle is that what we are dealing with is that impossible became possible because of God. Amen. Amen, amen. You know, in the last 30, 40 years, the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church have had several consultations going back 15, 1600 years ago to revisit their, 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 their differences. And what they found, they actually had a joint statement that they all signed together saying that the reasons for our division 1500 years ago <laughs> was actually a, a, a weakness in language. 
because the arguments were held in Greek and Latin languages that did not have proper, adequate uh, expression to relate to each other when it comes to the nature of God. So we said we were all actually trying to say the same thing, but we got lost in language. It's a long time to live in an error. I get one? So every Orthodox and Catholic church, they signed an agreement and they said we are, we are, we, that was just a language problem. We were all on the same page. Everybody signed except the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. Hallelujah. Zarraf Yemen firma. And uh, I thought that was interesting. In Ethiopia has their own reasons not for signing. Come on, it Jansetan. Right? <laughs> but, but the idea, even within our own Amharic and Giz language, the language for the nature, it's very, it's, it's very complex. And the, the, the language is many times trying to, <laughs> trying to define an unlimited God in a finite language. I believe that's been our greatest problem. Because we are dealing fundamentally with an impossibility that became possible because God got involved. Hallelujah. Even your relative Elizabeth is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. Now, is this child going to be anointed in my womb or outside of my womb at the baptism? All right. Is the nature of this child in my womb? Is it going to be 50% divine, 50% natural? I have a question before we go further. Is this child, is it going to be called my child or God's child? I have a... Okay, it doesn't say that. All right. It doesn't say that. It says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Hallelujah. A.K.A. Hearing. And accepting what God has said and believing that it will come to pass because God has said. If God has said, then that is enough. I don't need any further argumentation. I don't need any philosophy. I don't need therapy. I don't need counseling. If God has said, then that is my counseling because God is faithful to his word that God cannot lie. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. So I was kind of blessed with this. I don't know. I, I know how to uh, translate these theories into preaching. But I don't know how to translate them into academia. Because that's where these arguments were fought in academia. But I believe that if I have a faith in God. Hallelujah. That I have enough power to turn my downcast face into joy. Because I have put my weight on the promise of him who is faithful. Are you following what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. I, I want us all not to be fools today, but I also want all of us to be fools. Some of you did not say amen. Say, <laughs> so where's pastor going with this? I want us to be a fool in the eyes of the world. I don't want us to be a fool in the eyes of God. May God say, those are my children. They believe me. They trust me. That God is faithful to his word, that he cannot lie, that he cannot fail. That if he lies, he cannot lie because it is against him by his nature. So has he made any promise to you? The way we engage in relationship with him first is trusting that he who said the promise is faithful. That is our starting foundational building block. Mary did not get into argumentation. She just said, let it be to me according to your word. Hallelujah. Let it be to me as you have said. 
when it comes to our nation and what we've been going through, when it comes to the challenges that's facing this continent of Africa, the big question is not how bad it's been and how long it's been. The question is, what has God said? Because if God has said something, we have more than enough ammunition, ammunition to take every one of those challenges, hallelujah, and refute them and say, God is able, God is faithful. And I don't know about you, but I have a conviction that our best days are yet ahead. I have a conviction that the river of God will still flow because God has said a river of, river of life will flow. I have a conviction that the hands of begging will turn to hands of blessing. And that a light would shine and that from this place all peoples of the world will see and know that there is a God. That from the least likely place, the greatest glory will shine forth. And even CNN will run out of things to report because the glory of God has come in so thick. Hallelujah. The Bible says in the Old Testament that when they finished the temple of God, the glory of God fell so strong that they could not minister anymore. That was Old Testament glory before Christ rose from the dead. I am of the conviction that a glory will fall. To the degree that the world can't help but talk about anything else. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. That injustice will turn to justice. That the broken places will be built up again. That this valley of dry bones will receive the breath of God and become a living army. That's what we're believing. Because that's what we believe that God has said. And, and so we counsel ourselves with this. Amen. We are dealing with impossibilities. We're not dealing with, when it comes to faith, we're not dealing with, with, with figuring things out on the spreadsheet and calculate everything to understand that this will be the conclusion. We're throwing that away and said, God has spoken, finished. Amen. And because God has spoken, watch out. Because God has spoken, the world may call me fool, but I am no fool today in the eyes of God. Amen. Hallelujah. You, you have to be, you, you, we have to graduate in our acceptance today and stretch our acceptance and agree with God. Uh, I say this because there's a lot of ups and downs in this nation. We know, we know what we have been through. I don't want to repeat any of that and what we're still going through. In many, we don't know how, how, what, what's waiting for us even this week. But one thing I assure you that regardless of what we are going through, that God is faithful to his word. Somehow, some way, yeah, because he is God and that's what he does. I expect not the, you see, it has to be God because we can, what, what, what God is going to do, it will be on such a level that no man can take credit for it. Uh, no hero will be the hero outside of God, who is the hero of all heroes. It is not by might, it is not by power. It is by the Spirit of God. Uh, and when I understand God's CV, yeah? I look at his CV and I say, my goodness, look at that. This is the God who split the Red Sea in two. Not this, not, he did not split the bathtub. Come on, somebody. He split the Red Sea in two. Come on, somebody. He stopped the sun in the sky for a whole day. He is the God who raised the dead and turned the valley of dry bones into a mighty army. 
not just dead people, but dry bones, decomposed, left as bones, and God brought that again to life. In fact, Romans tells us when describing what God is like, by his very nature, forget his CV, what he has done, his nature, who he is, the Bible says that he is the God who gives life to the dead. And he calls things which are not as though they were. So I have a conviction today that because that is his nature, that he will show off his nature in our lives. That he will show off his nature in our nation. I know it has been bad. These Emmaus Road disciples, they had three days worth of evidence and processing. But Jesus was expecting them to look at the evidence and say, God is still able. And I want to suggest today that I am graduating into this place like never before. That says, if God has said it, that's all I need. Start preparing for what God has said. Start shifting your expectation to what God has said. Start arising in your spirit and understand that God is looking for a fool in the eyes of the world. To be okay with him. Hallelujah. It shall be well with them. Tell the righteous it shall be well with them. For they will eat the fruit of their labor. No more complaining about how bad it's been. We have a promise. No more gossiping and talking about what they did to me and how bad they treated me. No, no, no. The devil is a liar. God has said. If God has said no matter how bad it gets, this thing will come to pass. Childbirth is never pretty. It's never comfortable. But it's just in compared with the big picture. In comparison with the big picture. It's just for a, a small, small amount of time. In fact, the Bible says the mother forgets after she gives birth to the child because joy has taken over her. As a nation, this has been a difficult season. But in compared to the big picture of what God is setting up for us, in compared to what God has on the horizon, hallelujah. What evidence do you have? What policy report did you read, Pastor Z? I read the policy report from the Selassie Mikrabit, uh, the Parliament of the Holy Trinity. And they have said to me that it is all good. That God is still on his throne. That God did not misstep or mispronounce what he said. That he did not mix his words. Hallelujah. Uh, look, look at your own life as a testimony. I don't know about you, but when I look at myself, who I was and what I am now. This is not education you're looking at. This is not self-motivation and self-improvement. This is something that man could not do. No matter how great that man is. This is a work of the Spirit of God. This is a work of God taking out the heart of stone. And putting in the heart of flesh. This is God by His Spirit turning someone into a completely different person. This is a story of a boy who did not ever want to come to this country. But by the power of the Spirit of God could not wait to get here. To start something. Because God did a miracle in me. And I know that this was not good upbringing, good school, good family. I thank God for my family. We did a good job. Yeah. This is something beyond family. To get the eyes and the perspective of heaven. And to see this nation not through the drama that she has been through. But through the lens of what Almighty God has said. It will do something for you. So I myself am a testimony. That something is coming because I myself have experienced a little bit of transformation, excuse me, a bit of perspective change, a bit of attitude change. So, 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 so uh, this nation is next. Transformation is inevitable.
Blessing is inevitable. God has spoken. Some of you are saying that's good, Pastor Z, but you did not read the paper. Turn off your newspaper, Al Jazeera. Switch that off. Don't take the word of Al Jazeera. Take the word of Almighty God. God has spoken. In fact, the fact that God has spoken means that Al Jazeera and CNN have to report something contrary. Eh? Because we have to have two contrary reports so that we can choose between the two. So I choose the word of God today. And as far as we're concerned here, don't choose anything outside of the word of God. If anything, you yourself will find healing. Hannah's face was no longer downcast. Hallelujah. Your face cannot no longer be downcast. Before we were called Christians, church, before we were called Christians, we were called believers. Not thinkers, not theologians, not psychiatrists. We were called believers. What's believer by definition? We hear and we accept what God said. Hallelujah. 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 I feel something in the room now. Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet. I want to just do something just very simple. The Emmaus Road disciples had been through so much. And because of all that they had been to, through, accumulated, their face was downcast. And Jesus called them fools because Jesus was expecting them to go through all that, hold on to the word, eh? and live a life above the word. The greatest expression of faith is praise. Right? So for everything that you have gone through personally, that has accumulated to where we are now. For everything that we have been through as a nation this last season to where we are now. All right? I know we can talk about that for a long time. But I'm just injecting the promise of God over there. All right? Just injecting the promise of God over there. So instead of being downcast like those Emmaus Road disciples, could we give God a praise right now? Could we give God a hallelujah right now? Could we say that he is worthy right now? Hallelujah to your name, Father God. No, no, no. Praise him like he is faithful. That the God of the impossible is my God. That impossible is his business. Impossible is his business. He is in the impossible business. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Father, we give you praise and glory right now. Whew, you are worthy, Father God. E even me, myself, I repent for in some areas accepting what I have seen and what I have heard. Because it has been so powerfully believable <laughs> so convincing evidence in my hands father god i even myself i turned today and i said father god you have spoken over this so i rise above father god my face is no longer downcast i have a praise father god i have a glory father god for you are still at work let god be true and every man a liar hallelujah 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 it'll be just fine people of god do not be afraid. He's at work. Do not be double-minded. He is at work. Don't be afraid of what you have seen and what you have heard. Don't fear the giants in the land. Don't fear the army that surrounds us, for there is an army that surrounds the army. God is at work today. God is at work today. God is at work right now. Hallelujah. 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 Okay, we all know Jesus, praise the Lord. But I believe that just like me, there's some of us who know Jesus, but we're still fools. 
Pastor, don't go so hard on me. Let me no, I'm a fool myself. He, he caught me up with this. I've been messing with this because I found that I'm very, very good at believing God for some things. More than other things. Right? If I was honest. And there's some things that get you just, and they just, they, they rattle you. Like, for example, uh, Addis Ababa traffic. Addis Ababa traffic can make you lose your salvation. But, but I believe that, you know, God wants, want, he was expecting, that's the thing that blessed me. He was expecting his children to believe him. He was expecting his children to believe him and trust him for everything. So, so, so let's be full of faith today. Let's be full of praise today. I know we have issue, but we also have a promise. Amen. And let the, let the one replace the other because we cannot accept both at the same time. We can only accept one of the two. Amen. Hallelujah. So Father, in Jesus' name. We believe the God of the impossible today. And I speak over every situation, every hurt, every question, every, every lie that the enemy has sown into our lives, Father God. Just speak a word of victory over each one, Father God. Each one. Even the small ones that we've kind of got used to and we've been used to them for so long and they've actually been our number one discipler. The devil is a liar. Today we replace that with your promise, Father God. We replace that with your promise. We replaced our issues in this country with your promise. We replaced the challenges of Africa with your promise. For you truly have great things in store for us. And our face is no longer downcast because we called you faithful. I bless each person under the sound of my voice with that unction of the Holy Spirit to believe you against all odds, Father God. The mountain stands before us. The odds are stacked against us. But today, Father God, we choose your word over every challenge. I give you the praise for what you are doing in this room right now. I give you the praise for what you are doing in this room right now. To you belong all the glory, Father God. You are faithful. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God bless you all.